As the world becomes more polarized and distorted from reality, Big Red for America breaks down a new concept, value, or debate so you can better understand the history and facts. Using historical data, basic logic, and common sense, we supply honesty and clarity around today's political topics, value sets, and cultural discourse. This is the Big Red for America show. Hello and welcome to the Big Red for America show. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a restful holiday. I'm sorry. I hope you had a restful season of severe illness and death. If you survived meeting with your families this holiday season and are still alive to listen, welcome back. We're kicking off the new year with a great book review. This month, we were reviewing James Lindsay's book, Cynical Theories. It comments on the history of critical theory and how it works in our society today. Let's get right into it, shall we? Just a fair warning, this episode's gonna get very, very philosophical. So I'm gonna try to boil down as much as I can while still retaining all the necessary information. So I just want you all to put on your listening ears and your learning hats and I apologize in advance. Before we dive into the book, let's talk a little bit about the author, one of the authors, James Lindsay. In terms of academics, he's got a PhD in mathematics, not in critical theory, but then again, you don't need a PhD in critical theory to be a quote expert in critical theory or to, to even see its internal inconsistencies and, and its own prejudices. I think his background in mathematics actually really helps him in the study of critical theory because it he comes at it with logic and reason, which is inherently distrusted in critical theory. Critical theory does not value logic. Actually, they say logic and reasoning is um, is quote white. It's part of the white culture. But I'll get into more of that later. And I didn't know this, but upon doing further research, he used to be a massage therapist before his book Cynical Theories t took off, because apparently that's kind of what made him famous. So that, that's a cool little tidbit of knowledge. But before publishing Cynical Theories, he's published several several other books, primarily face dealing with religion. Uh, he's a He doesn't describe himself as an atheist, even though it I think it's just more of a semantic game. You know, he can say he's an atheist agnostic, but I think some of his books actually would be quite interesting to read. And he is not a conservative. He never says he's conservative or even right wing. He always describes himself firmly as someone on the left. He describes himself as a quote liberal. He says the term classic liberal, but you can kind of think of him as more of like a moderate, like a moderate Democrat, I think would probably be a fair assumption for him. But by no means is he right wing. Um, even though he's kind of become the the go-to guy for critical theory from the right. His book that he published with Helen Pluckrose, who is an editor-in-chief at Arrow Magazine, so she's a journalist, and she is also not a conservative. Her bio on the website says that she's a liberal and comments on culture, politics, stuff like that. Cynical Theories was published in 2020, and it explains or the purpose of the book is to explain the foundational ideas of critical theory to really go back to its philosophical roots to truly analyze and understand so that way we can we can combat the so we can combat critical theory that we see today in our culture and the book also comments on his well what some people call um 
his academic hoax, unquote, where he and Helen Pluckrose and another um, another scholar published articles, BS articles, completely fake articles, and submitted them to these critical theory magazines, and they got published. I mean, just absolutely off-the-wall stuff. He comments on it in his Joe Rogan podcast, which I'll have to link. You know, just off, completely off-the-wall stuff. And it got published, which they were using, the, which they were saying shows how absolutely unscientific critical theory is. And of course it is unscientific because it's all about using buzzwords. If you use a certain buzzwords, if you and, and more importantly, if you come to the right conclusions, if you come to the right conclusions about, you know, whatever buzzword you want to pick, rape culture or systemic racism or white privilege, if you come to the right conclusions, you will get published. And that was the hoax that they pulled. And it's actually really hilarious to read about. So that's part of the reason why I urge you to just pick up the book. Just, just, just learning about their hoaxes is so, so funny. And the fact that these quote scientific journals still try to hold the fact that they are academic and scientific. So that's, that's pleasant to read. So James Lindsay uses most a lot of the book to describe where critical theory came from. And a critical theory, this includes critical race theory. This is like gender studies, feminist theory, fat, fat studies, disability studies, stuff like that. He says that this all came from a postmodern movement. And he says that the postmodern movement is essentially the enemy of liberalism. It stands against pretty much whatever, what liberalism stands for more about postmodern history is that it came about in the late 20th century and according to encyclopedia britannica which james quotes in his book as well he says that postmodernism is quote characterized by broad skepticism subjectivism or relativism a general suspicion of reason and acute sensitivity to the role of ideology in asserting and maintaining political and economic power unquote so there we can see a lot of what gets pulled over into critical and critical theory skepticism or criticism subjectivism so my truth all that kind of bs relativism same thing my truth they suspect reason they don't actually believe in logic and reason or they don't hold it in high esteem so that's an important thing to remember whenever you're debating someone about on critical theory or you know that comes from postmodern theory is that it's not reliant on logic that's important to know that you can point out that it's circular that it's based on false premises that it's completely self-contained you know you can point out all these logical fallacies that they beg the question that doesn't matter to them because the whole movement is not based on logic or reasoning not to say that these people don't have thought out arguments for their for their beliefs but it's all completely based on logical fallacies and the goal, and, I, and James Lindsay does a great job of pointing this out, the goal of postmodernism is to be confusing. It's just like, it's, to describe postmodernism is kind of like, like the, the teenager who just like throws up his hands and is like, ah, you know, whatever. I'm not even going to try, you know, everything is pointless. And um, that's essentially postmodernism. So the, they're like, well, how about reality doesn't exist? You know, that's kind of the where they end up coming to. Like, oh, objective objective truth can't exist, except the objective truth that objective truth doesn't exist. And I've pointed out that logical fallacy in episodes before. I just think it's always a fun one to, <laughs> to point out. Uh, James Lindsay continues with the, how postmodernism tackles knowledge and then politics. 
So for the, he says the postmodern knowledge principle is based on two things. Skepticism of whether objective knowledge or truth is attainable. So like I kind of said, like I touched on previously. And this is always, always, always an interesting stance to take because you're making an objective truth statement about the fact that objective truth doesn't, doesn't exist. So that to me always just kind of, I always find that hilarious because I think the easiest way to prove that objective truth exists is by making an objective truth claim about objective truth. No matter which way you go, you say there is no such thing as objective truth. Truth is up to each individual. You are making... <laughs> you're making the truth claim that regardless of what you personally believe, there is no, truth is all subjective. So that's an objective truth statement. I always find that hilarious. I find that hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. And one of the easiest ways to prove that there is no such thing as your truth. There is the truth and your opinion. I don't even like the term subjective truth because it, it, subjective truth is truly your opinion. There is the truth, Some, something happened but your perception of it, or you can say your perception, your opinions of it, can certainly, you may believe something else happened. Jesse Smollett may truly believe that he was beat up by two racists shout, shouting MAGA slurs, even though the truth is that they were both black and that he paid them. <laughs> you know, that doesn't negate how he feels about that event, doesn't negate the facts of what actually happened. And then the second goal of postmodern knowledge um, is the commitment to cultural constructivism. And it's essentially the belief that, can, that all knowledge is constructed by our culture. Like our culture is what is the force that tells us what's, what is true and what's not. And that's important, we'll get into that a little bit later. James Lindsay then describes the postmodern political principles. They are blurring boundaries, the power of language, cultural relativism, and the loss of the individual and the universal. And we'll break down a lot of these uh, as we talk about how that leads to critical theory because all all these ideas the postmodern knowledge principle and the postmodern political principles are all in the studies of critical theory you know whether it's critical race theory gender theory queer theory fat studies disability studies they're all all these have elements of that in them because they all come from this postmodernist perspective even though postmodernism itself died out like 70s 80s i think james Lindsay says activists and this is important to remember activists linked onto these principles and then built critical theory from that so they they took postmodernism which in itself was useless because because the postmodernists themselves were so in the clouds about whether reality existed or not they didn't do anything but these critical theory activists took these postmodern principles, turned it into a way that they could be acted upon and then pushed out into our culture. And I'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but there's a key part of critical theory. It is not a neutral ideology. Don't let anyone lie to you and say critical theory is neutral. It's not. The goal of critical theory is activism. That's always, always, always the goal of critical theory. Critical theory is inherently political. Anyone who tells you otherwise is lying or ignorant as to what critical theory truly is. But let's continue on about how postmodernism leads to critical theory. So like I said, critical theory, heavily, heavily, heavily dependent on cultural constructivism, which James Lindsay defines as, quote, 
that all humans are so tied into their cultural frameworks that all truth or knowledge claims are merely representations of those frameworks. So like I kind of boiled it down, our knowledge of truth comes from our culture. That if we were in a different culture, we'd have a different truth, essentially. Once again, subjective truths for everybody. There is no such thing as subjective truth. And this means that our cultural norms decide what is true. So like I said, subjective truth. Then that, so if I were to make a comment on, like me, my comment on critical theory is impacted by my heteronormativity, my white culture, my whiteness, and that my knowledge, quote, or my truth is created by those roles. Even, in, even on the other side, even if I, even intersectionality, all those things that they claim, all that knowledge comes from society. There, you, you can't get any knowledge outside of, outside of the subjective world, outside of your culture. And then postmodernism also, critical theory kind of teaming up together, reject the correspondence theory of truth, which is the belief that something is true normally, normally objectively true, because it agrees with, is represented by, or corresponds with reality. So an example is I have two grapes in my hand. Someone hands me two more grapes and now I have four grapes in my hand. I have four grapes in my hand and I know this is true because it corresponds with reality. I see the one, two, three, four grapes in my hand. I see them, feel them, this corresponds with the reality I see, therefore it is true. But the postmodern theories reject this notion, which is problematic because like rejecting objective truth, rejecting every other way to to determine truth depends on the correspondence theory of truth even if it was even if they assume this these alternate theories of truth they are assuming that they are true that these theories of truths are true because they correspond with reality even if it's your perceived reality so once again self-defeating you can't have a theory of truth that doesn't like the correspondence theory of truth is true because all other theories of truth depend on the correspondence theory of truth to be true i know it's kind of like i said episodes very philosophical so rewind slow me down if you have to but it's all important to understand because it's important so you know whenever people are forcing you forcing critical theory at you critical race theory queer theory any of that bs gender theory that it's that it's not that none of it is based in logic or reasoning and once again like this isn't for the hardcore critical theorists if someone is listening to this episode which i doubt they would be and are a hardcore critical race theorist or a or a hardcore proponent of critical theory you know this episode's not for them because they're they're so far down their self self-fulfilling prophecy of racism and sexism that they can easily dismiss any argument I come up with. But this is for the conservative. This is for the people. These are for the liberals like James Lindsay, who don't, who don't think about critical theory, who think that critical theory might be just another way of looking at society. But this is for you to say, stop, don't listen, abandon, abandon that ideology right now because it's toxic and it's not logical. But like I said, so so critical theory, using the same example I had for grapes. Sorry, I got a little bit off topic. But they would say, I could not know that there are objectively four grapes in my hand because I'm racist or I'm heteronormative or that impacts 
my my perception of reality that that impacts the facts quote the knowledge i can obtain that i can truly obtain so i can't object know that there is objectively four groups in my hand so but don't you see the the problem the problem with this i already explained the logical fallacies but it doesn't matter to them it doesn't matter that their logic is circular or self-defeating it doesn't matter to them because critical theory postmodern theory completely jettison the idea of correspondence theory of truth and objective facts objective truth so it's important to so you i could point out logical fallacies to critical theorists all day long i could i mean just boom 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 it's easy they just say you're a racist you're a sexist i mean that's truly their their fallback their fallback is that you are somehow that it's my privilege i'll get into that later it's my privilege impeding my understanding of critical theory so it's 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 a it's all self-fulfilling it's all self-fulfilling another important way that postmodernism leads to critical theory is that society is organized to empower the powerful so power decides what's morally good not fa and factually correct there's no truth i mean it's it's power the people in power decide what is true and correct now of course we conservatives know that this is not true because first off we have morality our conscience from our creator and that there is such thing as objective facts that we can see as to what is correct uh, now of course of course it is true that sometimes that power can influence what we decide is is morally good or factually correct that's absolutely true you know, the example would be the Christmas trees. The Christmas trees got popularized in England because, in America, because the Queen of England, the royalty, sorry, the royalty in England started putting Christmas trees in their homes. So then it got kind of pushed down to everyone else. Uh, so obviously they can influence, um, but to, but postmodernism and critical theory rely on the fact that there is no such thing as objective truth. And so everything comes down to power dynamics. And you, I mean, and you hear a lot of this when you talk to people who talk, who know critical race theory. Everything's power dynamics. The oppressors, the oppressed, they have the oppressed class, they have the oppressor class. But how they believe, these critical theorists would believe that those in power control how we talk about things, how we talk about how things are true, which then spreads throughout society, which then creates our social rules and or quote, common sense. And that these rules the only purpose these rules serve is to perpetuate the power of the powerful, which is interesting. So then you'll see this in systemic racism. The system itself is designed to perpetuate whiteness and to keep white people powerful. Ooh, so scary. Even though we had a black president, black attorney general, you know, all at the same time. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that we have a black person on the Supreme Court. Doesn't matter. We could have, here's a little aside we could have a one the entire the entire government could be filled with african americans or minorities or every like every intersectional box could be checked off but they would still say that there's systemic racism and this is and this is central to, to critical theory because it has to perpetuate itself there Critical theory will never solve anything. Critical theory has never solved anything. But the purpose of critical theory is to perpetuate their power. Whoa. So this is how it works in critical theory. So these activists control how we talk or what we think is true. 
which then spreads through society and then creates, which creates new social rules or quote common sense. And then these rules perpetuate the power of the critical theorists. So the critical theorists have told us their game plan way, way long ago. And they are using the quote racist framework to perpetuate their own power, which I think is hilarious. And this goes to the next point of, for critical theory that critical th that the power of words and the meaning of words is central to postmodern theory. But yet, postmodernists and critical theorists don't believe that words have any meaning because words get their meaning from the powerful. But this just goes back to why theorists try to control how we talk to shift, like I talked about in Speechless, how they shift our values, our priorities, and then to give them to give them more power. And I like like I talked about a little bit earlier, James Lindsay finishes off the section on postmodern theory with this just excellent, excellent analysis by saying almost all quote oppressive systems, certainly slavery, segregation, and colonialism were overturned long before postmodern theory became influential in the 80s and 90s. So postmodern theory, like I said, and critical theory have done nothing to solve the issues that they claim to care about. Postmodernists didn't abolish slavery and segregation. It was liberalism, AKA founding liberalism. A little flashback to our series on conservatism, founding liberalism did. And these are the little beliefs that the postmodernists are trying to actively undermine. And not only that, not only that, but given the choice, these postmodernists would not solve these issues, but rather perpetuate these problems because it keeps them relevant and more importantly, keeps them in power. Don't forget that. Whew. I mean, that was, that was a lot right there. So sorry. Thank you. Um, if you're still listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's not the ramblings of a madman, I swear. <laughs> so critical theory, we talked about how it came from postmodern theory, how postmodern theory and critical theory have kind of merged. And now we will talk about the themes of critical theory. The first one is that is the radical skepticism of objective truth. And then you know, they believe also in the cultural constructivism, which leads to sus suspicion of all boundaries previously accepted as true. So in one hand, they have the skepticism of objective truth. And in the other hand, the fact that all knowledge we get comes from our culture and they use this to destroy all boundaries. We see this in queer theory or feminist studies, AKA gender studies. So they say, the critical theorists say, since gender is culturally constructed, there are no objective differences between male and female. They're just different ends of the same spectrum which of course is 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 false. We know this is false, but that's how they get, that's how they get to that result. The next theme of critical theory is the fixation on words and meaning of words as transporter of knowledge. But like I said before, these theorists don't actually believe in the power that words have any meaning. Postmodern theorist James Derrida said, quote, words cannot represent reality since their meaning is reliant on other words, unquote. And this is not the first time that critical theorists or postmodern theorists have just straight up undercut their own theories. We'll get into it a little bit later, just how they'll just say, yeah, maybe, maybe our theories are just white people trying to perpetuate their own power. Maybe critical, maybe that's all critical theory is, but that doesn't, it doesn't matter to them. They're these critical theorists are hyper-focused on words and their meaning because, like I said, they transport, quote, knowledge, and they believe knowledge creates power. 
which is why, and this is why that they, they deconstruct, they feel the need to deconstruct and tear apart language to find the quote power structure and the quote oppression in the language, which doesn't have any meaning, but yet transports knowledge and creates power. Like, are, are you confused yet? Because I'm kind of confused. And that's the point. Remember, the point of postmodern theory and critical theory is to confuse you, just get you lost, get you lost in the circles that they run so you can't act, you can't combat it. But getting back to how de the deconstructor, the deconstructive nature of critical theory, this actually helps perpetuate critical theory because you can always, you can always find problems if you look hard enough and you're trained, you're appropriately trained. So this is why critical theorists can always find more problems to quote solve. And this is why critical theory never quote solves anything because as soon as they solve something, their job's done. They, they lose their power. So there's no motive for them to actually solve anything. They can just sit there and complain and get more power, get more money, and just continue to blast liberal culture. The third theme of critical theory is because we cannot step outside our own culture and its constructed truths, we cannot judge other cultures. So this harkens back to the first theme of cultural constructivism. We can't judge other cultures, but we can judge our own. Which is interesting because all these radical theorists are judging our culture, yet, you know, these if you're not white, theoretically, you can't judge whiteness because according to the Smithsonian, whiteness is a culture. So according to their own beliefs about cultural relativism, non-white critical theorists should not be able to comment on white culture. But of course they do, and no one calls them out on it. Why? Because first off, they don't care. And remember, critical theory is not supposed to be logical. And then... This leads into the leftist belief that all cultures are morally equal, which is why they won't condemn evil in other cultures. We see this with ra the radical feminists who won't speak up against women's rights abuses in the Middle East where they are actually societally oppressed, traded into slavery, sex slavery, treated as second-class citizens, you know, yet they won't speak out about that because, oh, that's not our culture. They won't speak out against actual oppression, yet they'll keep continuing to create a, a fake oppression here. And it, it kind of undercuts the role of critical theory. You would think that they should be able to talk about abuses ever, true abuses everywhere. But the, and then we just get down a little bit deeper. We we get past the fluff that the critical theorists throw at you. We get down a little bit deeper, and you see that the point of critical theory is to deconstruct Western society, to destroy Western society, and replace it with their new postmodern Marxist garbage, where everyone's equal, yet we're still organized according to, except we're reorganized according to class and race, in true Orwellian fashion, quote, some people are more equal than others. But this just goes, this all just goes to the, the point that critical theory can't solve anything. It won't solve anything. The next theme of critical theory is that there's no individual self because all things are societal constructs. This is where they talk about race, gender, sexuality, blah, 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 all societal constructs. Uh, and this goes back to the point that even though they're postmodernist, they are collectivist and Marxist in nature. Remember the leaders of the BLM who are critical theorists who, who fully endorse critical race theory are quote trained, trained Marxists. They're collectivists because these critical theorists believe in a quote black voice or universal black experience. And more importantly than that, these critical theorists believe they own that experience. So there's no individual, there's only the collective. And these critical theorists own that collective. This is where you hear the racist phrase, quote, all skin folk ain't kin folk. This means that you can be black, but you are not, you aren't, quote, authentically black. 
What does this mean? <laughs> I found an article from African American News that describes this a little bit more. They say, quote, this means that you can inhabit a black body and be an agent of white supremacy. Just ask Court Justice Clarence Thomas or any one of the thousands of black Americans who are more concerned with white feelings than black lives and bodies. So here, I mean, you clearly hear the tones of the universal black experience. Which is bigoted? This sentiment is also repeated by Joe Biden, like who said, quote, if you have no problem figuring out to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black, unquote. That's a direct quote from the president. So once again, we have this black, this general black experience. But what grants you black status? It's clear. If you vote for Biden, you're clearly black. If you hold the And if you hold the opposite beliefs of Clarence Thomas, you're clearly black. So let's put two and two together. Let's use our brains here. So it's clearly, if you align yourself with the far left critical theorists, then you're black. That's what makes you black. You can be a black colored person, yet essentially, except be white. You're granted white status. And then once, so now we're another level deeper. So we see that critical theory is supposed to take apart Western society, which is why they're only comment on the quote abuses here, not, not the real abuses happening other, in other places. Now we see that in order to be quote in like in their in group, you have to abide by and preach their ideology. So this is becoming far less of a neutral theory and much more of a disgustingly secretive political theory designed to create activists. Because remember, you can be black, but if you don't preach critical, critical theory, then you're not really black. So it would motivate young black Americans to believe in critical theory or else they're they're ostracized from their own culture. And now, I mean, this is like, this is like KKK heaven right now, except it's being preached by these, these radical, these radical critical theorists on the left. And of course, the KKK was the arm of the Democratic Party, the militant arm. So nothing's really changed. They've just kind of changed the wording and who they hate now. So, so what are the problems with critical theory? Like I've already explained, it's kind of like a, a tear cake. Like you just keep getting deeper and deeper and finding more and more of kind of the purpose behind critical theory. But let's look at some of the just straight up problems. So first off, it's contradictory. Often, the critical theorists rely on horrendously racial, racist, ra racist stereotypes or like sexist stereotypes to justify their position. So let's, I want to go back to talking about white culture. The Smithsonian of African American History, I want to say, the, the Museum of African American History by the Smithsonian um, published a list of what, what is quote whiteness or what's part of quote white culture. They said self-reliance, objective rational thinking, nuclear family, hard work is the key to success, delayed gratification, planning planning for the future. The list just goes on and on and on and on. So let's work with this list that is bigoted, by the way. Let's work with this list for white culture and imply, and from this glean what they are implying is, quote, not white culture. So hence, if being self-reliant is part of, quote, white culture, then being dependent is part of, quote, non-white culture? That kind of that kind of sounds racist. If it's, quote, white to be rational, so you're implying that non-white people are not rational, they're not objective. If 
if hard work is the key to success and that's quote white culture, is it quote non-white culture then to be lazy? If if it's quote white to believe in delayed gratification and planning for the future, are you saying that non-white culture prefers instant gratification and doesn't plan for the future? I mean, do you see the problem here? Are you listening to this? Do you, do you see how racist that all sounded? Did it make you uncomfortable? Be because I'm uncomfortable. But this is the language of the woke. This is, this is not racist. They can come out with these just horrendously, horrendously racist lists of white culture. And by proxy, they're inferring that all these other things are not white culture, but they all get pats on the back for being woke. So by trying, like I said, so they're, they're achieving the opposite ends here by, by, by trying to not be racist, they're actually end up, they actually end up being super racist. And we see this again in, in, in gender theory. So these gender theorists claim that gender is a side of societal construct. I've already gone over this. It doesn't exist yet. Yet these gender theorists rely on horrifically strict gender stereotypes to justify this claim. And remember these gender stereotypes are societally constructed. So if you're boy, if I have a child who's a boy, a biological male, and likes to play with Barbies, he's actually a girl. So even though gen, even though gender is constructed by society and doesn't actually exist, I can use I can use gender stereotypes, which are also technically societally constructed and don't exist, to prove that my my child who is a boy yet is not actually a boy because gender doesn't exist is a girl even though gender doesn't actually exist are you confused yes and that's the point so or this can be seen when people transition they they often change their secondary sex organs or their primary sex organs if gender and sex aren't real if they're just societally constructed then it shouldn't matter what sex organs you have but it does they rely on the stereotypes they rely on the boobs for girls you know, they rely on the penis for men. It, they they rely on these because they're not actually they're not actually societal constructs. So it is biological truth to male and female. So even though these gender activists claim gender is societally constructed, they still actually operate as if it weren't. They still rely on sex and gender stereotypes to ju to justify to justify transitioning or to justify the, the 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 creation of a transgender other option. We can see this again, like I talked about how racist they were before. In their, in their search for justice and equity, these critical theorists create a hierarchy of oppressed groups and each layer deserves more respect than the last. So obviously not, not just, not equal. So they, they use inequality to get this quote equality, which is obviously problematic. Another problem with critical race theory is that it's self that it's self-dependent and it's self-perpetuating. Any criticism of critical race theory or critical theories labels as racist, homophobic, etc., and can therefore be discarded. This is a quote from the book from a critical theory apologist. They say, quote, the mere fact that they, white people, can question the existence of systemic oppression is a function of their privilege to ignore discussions of systemic oppression. So all disagreement is an example of privilege and that reinforces critical theory. Like do you see how it quickly becomes circular? And another problem with critical theory is that it actually undermines itself. You know, they're so concerned with power and position that eventually it comes around to where they consider 
they actually consider is their own position come from power and privilege. A prominent post-colonial theorist said, quote, is the language of theory, meaning critical theory, merely another power play of a culturally privileged Western elite to produce a discourse of the other that reinforces its own power knowledge equation? Of course, obviously, I'll simplify the critical theory BS for you. It's essentially saying, is critical theory another tool of the powerful to perpetuate their own power? So obviously, in critical theory eventually becomes self-defeating. You just, you just can't make it up. But remember, critical theory is not supposed to be logical. This, these logical arguments aren't for those who love critical theory. These logical arguments are for those who, who are learning about critical theory in school, who are having it pushed on them by their teachers or by their workplace to say, hey, wait, no, this, none of this actually makes sense. This, this is for them. So if you're if you're thinking about thinking about adopting critical theory, this is this episode's for you. No, it's horrendously illogical. It's horrendously racist. It's never actually done anything for anyone ever. But next, we'll go into my main takeaways from the book. So my main takeaways from the book about critical theory is that critical theory is supposed to be confusing and illogical. That's a consequence of it being postmodern. So my word of advice is stay the course and hold firm to the truths in this podcast and you know don't let it go. Don't accept the premise of their arguments or else you're doomed because all critical theory begins with false premises, which then reinforces their point. For example, critical race theory believes that America is systemically racist, which is false. Gender theory believes starts with a false premise that genesis that gender is a societal construct, which is false. Femis, feminist theory begins with the false premise that the West is systemically misogynistic, which is also false. And they use these false premises to reach their conclusions. Another takeaway from the book that James Lindsay excellently points out is that critical theory has done nothing to solve the problems of those it, it claims to care about. But it actually makes people more racist and more divided. And then finally, perhaps maybe the most important takeaway from this book is that critical theory is not a neutral philosophy. Many supporters try to try to claim that it is just a way of learning about our past or learning about race. Like I said before, they are either liars or ignorant about the goal of critical theory. James Lindsay explains that the goal of critical theory is actionable activism. It is inherently political, which means it is meant to bring about change. Like I said, what change? Change that keeps the activists in power. The normal cycle is this. Activists find something racist. These activists get, then get power to investigate the problem. This is seen a lot in these diversity, equity, and inclusivity boards. Then they find more problems and give them more power. It's a vicious cycle that cannot be stopped once it's started. So what we need to do, keep these DEI people out of our companies, out of our schools, because once they're there, you can't get rid of them. And they're gonna keep finding problems. Critical theory is meant to keep perpetuating itself forever. We have to break the cycle by not letting the cycle begin. And my final takeaway for the book is that I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. It's another thick academic book, so be prepared for a deep, deep read. But like I said, you have to read about their publication shenanigans. It is so, so funny. And it's important to understand critical theory and postmodern theory. This is Big Red. You're listening to the Big Red for America show. I will see you all next week.
you like what you heard this week, make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms from our site on Anchor FM. If you want to follow us on social media, you'll see our link down in the description. And if you really like it, make sure you share this podcast with all your friends. That's one of the best ways that you can help this podcast grow. Thank you all so much. See you next time.